Hey, we want to welcome everybody to the uh, latest episode of the Denny Artachi Show. Happy New Year, January New Year. 2022. I mean, it, it happened fast, right? right? I think Right around the corner. Yes, that's what we said like last week. Uh, anyway, Happy New Year to all. And as you know, uh, the Denny Artachi Show, I love to have uh, different guests. You all know about the Artachi Financial Group, my company. But, you know, we talk about entertainment and uh, different issues. Today, I have a very special guest and actually a partner, uh, Mr. Rick Martins with Inland Capital. And we're going to talk about a subject that I've been seeing get a lot of attention for the last year or two, and that is for 1031 exchanges. Folks, you or someone you know probably has a real estate property, investment property, a rental property, a commercial uh, you know, storefront somewhere that you would love to sell in this hot market, but you, 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 you won't because of the taxation. So Rick is gonna talk about how 1031 exchanges work, how clients can defer the taxes. And last I check, people would love to pay as little taxes as they can. So uh, Rick is gonna talk about what is a 1031, how to utilize it, but, but also importantly, his company is, is the largest player in the space. I mean, Inland Capital has about 30% of the market share of a huge market. So, uh, Rick, always a pleasure getting with you, brother. How are you feeling today? Feeling very well. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right. So, so first of all, what can you you want to talk about Inland first? Because that, that's a heck of a sure. company uh, that you work with and, and you're part of. Well, Inland, uh, you know, very proud to speak about Inland. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it has a very storied history. It was actually mm -hmm. started by four school teachers uh, in the Chicago area, and um, they they started supplementing their income as public school teachers with real estate investments. Okay, and their their company just grew and grew, and and lo and behold, fifty two years later, uh, here we are, and the four partners are still partners today. Imagine so, that teachers right. needing more income. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've been helping teachers for uh, for a long time, and I see I've seen their struggles. Mm -hmm. So, so inland, like I say, how how did they get to be so big? They have about thirty percent of the market share. That's that's not a small task to do. Well, it's uh, you know uh, we got we got big by starting off small and okay. and, and and going up to uh, and 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 learning you know through sure. the, through the different economic. Uh, cycles at one time, Inland was the largest uh, 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 landlord for Walmart stores in the country. Okay, and uh, we have launched uh, 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 several uh, real estate investment trusts that are now publicly traded. Uh, but we've always been in the private equity space, and uh, and 1031 exchanges, as we discussed, is is always been a tool in the real estate world to continue to create and, and expand your wealth in real estate uh, without paying the capital gains taxes immediately, right? It's a tax deferral strategy. And, uh, and uh, so it's been utilized in, in, in our regular course of business. And then obviously we see the interest and we saw the interest several, you know, back way back uh, in the, even in the 90s, because 1031 exchanges are a 100 year old uh, uh, it's a one yes, code, uh, I, tax code. Yes, I saw that it, it, it came out in 1921. So now it's, it's 101 years old. <laughs> and 
so talk about how it works in conjunction with the Delaware Trust, because that's what sure. makes it unique, isn't it? Well, let's, let's just, you know, what is a 1031 exchange? Yeah. What, what are you talking about? If, if folks have um, investment real estate, yes, and, uh, and, and in today's market, they have highly appreciated investment real estate, there's a lot of folks that have managed their own real estate for a long time. And it's time to, for them to retire, or they just don't want to manage their real estate anymore uh, personally. They don't want to mm -hmm. be responsible for the tenants, taxes, and trash. Uh, and it's time to sell. And what would normally happen is that they would, they you know, they bought a property 25 years ago for $150,000, and now they're selling it for a million. And, and uh, they have $850,000 in profit. And they're going to be subject to twenty to twenty-five percent capital gains tax. So that's one hundred and seventy, two hundred thousand dollars that's going to be paid to the tax man. Now, how can you defer those taxes uh, for as long as you'd like? So, so ten thirty-one exchange is a tax deferral strategy for selling investment real estate. And what the tax code ten thirty-one section ten thirty-one of the tax code uh, says is that. Uh, uh, you can effectively swap your property for another property of the same or equal value, right? Or equal or greater value. And, and that's how a 1031 exchange works. Now, folks that are retiring or folks that no longer want to manage their own real estate, they're in a real pickle, right? Because they can't, they either have to pay their capital gains tax or they have to go out, buy another property, and right. be liable for that property and manage that property, and 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 also be restricted to the the, the size of their of of the money that they have to buy the properties. Um, they can't go out and buy institutional properties. They can't go out and buy portfolios of properties, and that's where Inland comes in. So Inland uh, allows you to. Uh, to sell your investment properties and then be able to swap it and do a 100% tax deferral and swap it for some institutional real estate, which we'll talk about in a second. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit just about the rules, the rules of the road. Uh, on a 1031 exchange, Section 1031 states that if you want to defer your taxes, before you think about selling your property or closing on your property, you have to ensure that you have a qualified intermediary that accepts the cash or the proceeds from the sale. Without a qualified intermediary, you have uh, busted your 1031 exchange. So it's and, very and, and this is important, folks, because it's not like uh – you know, you sell your property and then you say, oh, I forgot to get the the qualified intermediary. Do I have 30 days to grandfather that in? Now, you ha you cannot accept the monies uh, to do the 1031 exchange. And look, let's face it. It's true. Many people, they get to a certain age. The last thing they want to do is manage a property, deal with tenants, and all the upkeep of a – I mean, it's also true for – people who have inherited businesses from their parents. You know, maybe it was a a gas station or, or a certain property that now that they're of retirement age, it could be worth 10, 15, 20 million dollars. That's and, correct. And their original cost basis was pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. So this is just a great way. And listen, when you say defer, I mean, look, you can defer it 
until you die and didn't pass it to the next generation. Isn't that true? Uh, it's kind of funny, Daddy, because most people refer to, <laughs> to 1031 exchanges as a swap to your drop right. investment, right? So you can defer your capital gains 100% of your capital gains uh, throughout your lifetime if you continue to do 1031 exchanges as properties are bought and sold, right? Yes. And then when once you pass on, then your heirs will inherit the the property, your last property that you owned, or DST or, or investment property that you owned, and the cost basis is stepped up, as they call it, a stepped up cost basis. So, as an example, if you started with a million and you kept buying and selling properties, and now it's, uh, you have a ten million dollar portfolio, and if you were to sell that ten million dollar portfolio. Uh, the day before you passed away, right? You're subject to nine million dollars of capital gains taxes, and so to pay the capital gains taxes on nine million dollars. If you passed away and your heirs received that property, that property is now the cost basis on that property is ten million dollars, and if you were to sell it the next day for the ten million dollars that it's worth, there is zero capital gains taxes owed on that. Which is such a great uh, vehicle. You know, I, I love uh, with my company and uh, to partner up with CPAs and tax professionals who get this. But I think more people need to understand that this exists. I mean, let's face it. The real estate is hot right now. And there are a lot of people who would love to, to take advantage of the gains. But, you know, paying Uncle Sam just holds them back. Now... Uh, it's an interesting thing. You can defer taxes, but because of companies like Inland, you can get a, a, a basket of different inventories and portfolios that you can also get income from. And uh, that's one thing that, that's very unique about it. Now, folks also know that besides getting the qualified intermediary, you, you have to identify a property in 45 days. That's, that's, that's the part of that. it. There's a little bit of time pressure there, yes. Danny, and that's, that's the fact is that uh, you, from the day of the close, you have 45 calendar days calendar, yeah. to identify up to three properties that you wish to purchase with the proceeds from the from the sale of your property where the funds are now sitting at a qualified intermediary. A qualified intermediary is basically, is basically like an escrow agent. Uh, they're an uninterested third party that just holds your funds. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, so now you have 45 days. Those are calendar days. Uh, weekends are included. Any, vac any, va any holidays are included. <laughs> so 45 days happens quickly. And then once you've identified your properties, then you have 180 days to close, right? And that time, sometimes if you're buying your own properties and if you're a commercial investor, uh, you know how sticky those closing dates can get when all of a sudden you need to have a new study, a new environmental study, or there's a new titling issue and so forth. And if you pass those 180 days, you're busted your 1031 exchange. And, and, that, and that's really important, folks, because uh, think about it. You could find a property because you have to have the same value or higher. Maybe you sell something that's worth $2 million and you find a property that's only worth $1.5 million. Well, through the partnership with myself and then in Capital and Rick, we can you know place uh, that five hundred thousand because if you don't place it, you lose the ability to defer it. And this is very important. There are a lot of realtors that are understanding this now 
because it is tricky a lot of times to find. I mean, now, the term is you have to find like types of properties, right? But it's, you know, there are a couple of good examples. Now, if you have a rental property, you can invest into a storage uh, property, right? Yeah, that storage everybody, or everybody thinks that like-kind property means exactly that like if it. I have a vacant lot and sell a <laughs> vacant lot, I have to go buy another vacant lot. Right. No, like-kind real estate uh, means that you have to buy investment real estate. So Not your primary you, residence. Right, not your primary residence. It can be your your vacation home that mm-hmm. you rent, right? Not that you just vacation it, but that you rent for a certain amount of time during the year. Uh, or uh, all the way to a commercial office building, whichever comes in between. But you can switch between the categories. So if you have self-storage rentals, you could buy a multifamily apartment complex. Mm -hmm. If you have uh, an industrial space, you can buy a piece of vacant land. As long as it's for for investment purposes. And and again, if, you know, having a basket of portfolios and institutionally managed properties that are available, there are too many realtors that have told me and, and personal people that have lost sales because they could not close that deal. Like you say, now they've got to get it inspected and they've got to go jump through the hoops. We have literally helped people, folks. Rick has, we have, that literally had a couple of days to find a property or they lost the distribution and the deal was busted. So well, I that, will. That, that's I, interesting that you mentioned that, Denny, because that's what uh, the Delaware Statutory Trust is all about. And that's what allows uh, 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 us to be able to find these properties so quickly. Again, uh, as a reminder, we're, we're a institutional asset manager. We're not a real estate company, and we're not talking about uh, uh, looking for properties yes. as a real estate company does. We actually, at Inland, we buy the properties ahead of time, and then we partial out the equity to investors. A lot so, of times you buy these for cash too, don't you? We, so we buy them for cash, and then we'll place leverage on them mm-hmm. uh, as appropriate and as needed because many, many investors have leverage on their properties. And the rules state that the proceeds of the sale have to be equal to or greater than the new property, right? So let's say if you have a million dollar sale of your property Mm -hmm. and you have $500,000 in debt, you have to have $500,000 in debt in the new property. So so you you need to have properties that have debt on them. So we have them everything from zero debt, all cash, uh, all the way to 82% debt. So we are able to help uh, all spectrum of investors that are in need for properties. And again, uh, on the Delaware Statutory Trust, why do we use or utilize ha- has the, that the been Delaware around Statutory as, Trust? Has that been around as long as the 1031s or the is the trust? No. That, that, the statute, they were called something else, right? They were, Weren't they, they from they England? They were called or? Royal Statutory Trust. They've been around <laughs> since the 1600s. Since so, the 1600s, so okay. Delaware Statutory Trust is just a, uh, it's it's an ownership structure that allows for individual investors okay. to have fractional ownerships of large institutional type properties, right? Okay. So, so it opens up the it opens up the entire field. So, uh, in in order to uh, understand Delaware statutory trust, it's very very simple. the The building is owned by the trust. Okay. The investors are the direct beneficiaries of the trust by the percentage that they own 
the building. Does that make sense? If you are a one-tenth sure. And they don't owner, have to deal with uh, the management or no. any of the other stuff that drives people crazy. That's Folks, right. I, I want to tell you that you can call our Tachi Financial Group at 561-537-5897. The number again, 561-537-5897. And just so you know, you may not live in Florida like where we're headquartered, we help people all over the country, and a lot of these properties are all over the country. It's not just, um, you know, there's, there's sometimes there's a lot of inventory and sometimes there's a shortage because these deals go by so fast. I mean, there's different, there's different ways that can be structured, including some of the yields can be uh, utilized on, on a uh, a tax-free income basis, correct? I mean, that, that, that's correct. Uh, talk about how that's structured because right now municipals are not, you can't get a three and a half, four percent tax-free yield in bonds now uh, comfortably. So how do 1031s do that as well? Do they structure that those type of uh, income for investors out there? Well, as, as you know, 1031 exchange is the strategy to defer taxes. Yes. The D Delaware statutory trust programs are, are investment vehicles that are utilized for 1031 exchanges or for investors that are interested in being passive investors okay. in a very good property, as, as you and I had discussed earlier today mm -hmm. with, uh, with some folks that really like the properties that we're talking about, right? Now, the, the, one of the uh, advantages of, of doing a 1031 exchange is that if you've utilized all your depreciation throughout the years for your original property yes, and all your amortization and you've written off all that, uh, you will have to pay the capital gains all the way down. That's what reduces your cost basis. So when you do a 1031 exchange, you start the process of, 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 um, of amortizing and, and depreciating uh, the property all over again. So in many occasions, a DST will be 100% tax-deferred income. So as a, as you are a fractional owner of a of a of a portfolio of properties or one property, yes, whatever happens to be in a DST in a Delaware statutory trust, you get a hundred percent of the net operating income of the properties in that trust, and you get a hundred percent of the profits, right? And so, but you also get a hundred percent of the tax of of the of the of the tax deferment. So it's a pass through investment. And in many occasions, there'll be for the first five years, 100% uh, tax deferred income. This is uh, not K-1 income. This is 1099 income. It's, okay. It's called a substitute 1098. So you see it in box number one where it says <laughs> taxable income. It'll be zero. And it says non-taxable distributions will have all your distributions in them. So it can be very advantageous for tax-free Tax, it's not tax-free income, it's tax-deferred tax income. Tax-deferred income, yes. Well, I, how would you say that, what is the mo most ways that people utilize the 1031? Is, is it is it mostly to pass it on to the beneficiaries or are they taking advantage of, hey, maybe I can get myself a decent yield and, and, and you know, uh, not pay taxes on that? I, how do they well, utilize the 1031 yeah. most, most people? Well, they, the, the, the 1031 is utilized 100% for tax deferral purposes, okay? Right. Now, you don't have to defer 100% of the taxes. You can defer 
50% of the taxes. If you want to pay capital gains tax and cash out on some of your gains, you can certainly do that. You, you have pay, that option. You pay the capital gains on the on the part that you keep, right? Okay. And then whatever you exchange, that becomes tax deferred. Now, what I believe you were stating is, you know, who who wants to use these products just as a hey, I really like that investment and I'd like to invest in it because I can't find income like that, right? Right. Uh, and I want to have a non-diversified uh, portfolio and I want to have something that's not correlated with the stock market or with any of my other real estate investments or I'd really rather have a institutional management team manage my real estate portfolio. You can enter into a Delaware Statutory Trust as an investor uh, the minimums are typically $100,000 on any programs okay. that are out there. Uh, and uh, and you can just invest your money directly into it. And then you will be a fractional owner of that DST, right? Which which owns one property or multiple properties. So it doesn't always have to be a 1031 exchange. Now, in the real world, 90% of all investments in, ten, in DSTs are yes. for 1031 exchange purposes. About ten percent are just cash investors that that just like the deals. Well, it's interesting that you say. I think the other the other thing that people like about this is yes, they're non correlated to the equities market because you know the S and P got twenty eight percent last year. Uh, real estate also gained like thirty eight percent. I don't think these are sustainable numbers. However. When you have an institutionally managed portfolio, like you know, maybe an Amazon shopping center or, or, or a high-end rental community, not only are investors realizing capital appreciation, but they're, you know, some of the, some of these have a, a, a ten, you know, a ten-year guarantee that they're collecting rent, and and you know, I think a lot of investors are looking for things they can count on and know that it's going to be there. But that being the case. Would you say that the average hold is maybe between four and five years? If Inland feels like it's time to sell it and they buy the next property for the investors, what is the average time, uh, you know, the 1031 properties are being held? Uh, well, I can tell you historically, yeah. right? And his history never tells you what happens in the future. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, so, so we don't know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen five years from now. You know, I don't even right. know what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow. But uh, we can't make those kind of predictions, uh, but we can look at past history and see patterns, right? And and different sectors, and we are inve we're invested in multifamily sector, which is apartment complexes, okay. in, in, in industrial real estate, which is like an Amazon distribution center, medical office building, senior housing, student housing. And each sector has its own mechanic mechanics to when you would sell, right? And, and so I'll just say that uh, typically uh, when a window of opportunity opens to sell, we will jump through the window. Now, Everything that we project, and when we do our projections, our financial projections, it's all done on a 10-year basis. Okay. But in reality, you know, real life and, and projections intersect. And, and typically, uh, four to six years is a typical uh, hold period. Uh, obviously, if we're managing a large portfolio and we go into a recession, where there's a three years of recession, you want us to to, to professionally manage that portfolio in order for you not to lose your investment, right? 
And so maybe it might be seven or eight years or, or, or longer right. to, to, to when the economic uh, cycle changes, right? But in, in typical form, four to six years is a, is, is a target. Uh, and, but we look at everything from a, from a six to 10 year uh, cycle. Uh, but if you look at our uh, what's actually been done, it's four to six years is a very good uh, measurement. Well, listen, be, besides rental unit properties, commercial, uh, an interesting sector that has been doing very well is storage units, right? right. I mean, that, that, that has been doing very well. Um, does Inland plan to, uh, I mean, I'm not asking you to make mm -hmm. any predictions, but has, hasn't that been a hot sector in the last couple of years? Well, I, I'm not uh, an asset manager, so nope. I, I am not an expert in the in the in the ins and outs of of, of self storage. I know enough to, to be dangerous, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we are um, in in the self storage uh, market. We have about a almost 10 percent share uh, of our entire portfolio that we that we manage is uh, self storage, and we manage about 10 billion dollars. So we're looking at a uh, billion dollars worth of self-storage that we manage. If we have a billion dollars worth of storage as a 1031 exchange DST programs, we probably like the sector pretty much. We are still very active in self-storage. And, uh, and yes, we do think it has a very, it has very good uh, financial uh, directives and, and we, like the, we like the market a lot. Well, look, you have the number one, you're number one in market share. Like I said, I, I think you all have about 30% of this huge market. That, that, that is just, that's just amazing. Now, um, in our conversations, you also uh, stated of something that comes up called boot, how to eliminate boot. So how, how does that come into play with investors and, and 1031s and DSTs that happen? What, what is boot? What is boot? Well, a boot is is the remaining profit on the sale. Okay. Okay. Of of your relinquished property. Okay. And and, and also, what it boot is is the, is the leftover debt that you might have on the property that you cannot match. Okay. To your new property. Again, the rules state that the equity has to be equal to or greater than the equity of your property that you sold, and the debt has to be equal to or greater than the property you sold. Okay. Now, if you don't have any debt on your property, you don't have a problem with the debt boot. But any profits uh, are called boot. And but boot specifically, is taxable. It, exactly. That's my whole yeah. point. If you don't, like I said earlier in our conversation, maybe there's a realtor or an individual that sells a $2 million property, but they're short 500000 So if they don't fill that 500000 then they'll just pay the gains on the 500000 right? That is the okay. boot. So what it is, it's you, you, your realtor uh, has sold your property for $2 million. You want mm -hmm. it to do a 100% tax deferral. Right. So you needed to find a property with $2 million, right? The realtor only was able to find you a $1.5 million property. You really like that property, so mm -hmm. you go ahead and buy it. That $500,000 remaining must be invested into another property or it becomes boot and boot is uh, taxable at 25%. So again, yeah. I'm not a CPA, you have to go to your no, CPA no, of to course. find all that. But uh, that is how you eliminate boot is you can use any of our portfolios 
And since we have a $100,000 uh, minimum investment, you can actually fit the stuff that's left over. We call it the leftovers. Exactly, right. right. And, and that, that, that is true. Uh, that's a great thing to have low minimum investments, uh, you know, 100000 to invest in an in a institutionally managed portfolio. The other thing that is interesting about this is it limits personal liability as well, right? I mean, which is important. Uh, I think you, you were telling me that sometimes you, you could get into a property where if it defaults, like I, I don't want to mention names, but there are some drugstores that are they're closing a lot of locations. So if you're the owner of that individual location and you still owe half of it in the property, uh, you, you could be liable for it, where I think uh, the the DSTs eliminate that, don't they? Right. We, as Inland, Inland is the sponsor, we provide uh, the, the leverage or the debt for that property okay. uh, through our bank lines and through our, you know, our mortgage relationships, our commercial mortgage relationships, obviously. And uh, the loans are non-recourse to the investor. And what that means is the investor is not responsible for those loans. So we are responsible for, for those loans. And it just, again, it just removes one area of responsibility and liability from the investor. Also, typically uh, in DSTs, uh, there are no such things as cash calls. Uh, what is a cash call? If you buy a property, uh, either by yourself or with partners, and uh, and all of a sudden the insurance triples, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're going to get your partners to come to you or the man asset manager to say, I'm sorry, folks, but uh, I need you to, to cut us another $20,000 check. Yeah, that's always great. Because we have to cover these unexpected, unexpected expenses, right? And uh, and that this is uh, re, you know greatly reduced or completely eliminated through the use of DSTs, um, and and more importantly, there's no no more management responsibilities, right? Well, well, that's the thing. That's like I said earlier, really important. You, you know, you're of retirement age. The last thing you want to do is manage manage a property, collect the rents, and go through it. And and think about it. You know, investors have a chance to to have such great diversification. You know, maybe you put some of it in a multifamily apartment complex. Maybe you put it in a healthcare building. Maybe you buy a self storage facility. Maybe you you go into an industrial warehouse or student housing, and and that's the beauty of having a plethora of of inventory to invest in. That's the part that I like as well because again, you're not managing. Inland is, <laughs> and, and, and is. You you all have the specialists that decide not only on which sector, but you also they design and engineer what they're investing in. They have a vision, and if they think it's time to sell, that they're going to make the profit, they make that decision. The investors do not. Correct. That's correct. And we we invest in twelve different property sectors. Uh, always remember that the DST itself. Uh, is always one sector. So each okay. DST is a different animal, right? So if I do a multifamily, which is apartment complexes, uh, a Delaware statutory trust that has a multifamily property or properties in it, I can do multiple properties in a Delaware statutory trust. They will all be apartments. I won't, I won't mix self-storage and apartments and medical office buildings. I will have Delaware statutory trust, I'll have each individual program will be their own sectors. But I typically have three to four programs available 
at any time, uh, un, 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 unless we're at the end of the year, like we just finished the end of the yes, year. Yes, last month. And we was... now have to build up our inventory <laughs> of programs again. As you know, we only have a couple of programs uh, available today, uh, but we'll build that up into more sectors. And so you are able to actually diversify your own little real estate world from your condo that you had on the beach. You can actually diversify into four different, you know, massive portfolios of institutional properties. And, uh, you know, having no correlation to the stock market, being diversified by geography, by market and by sector, it always reduces risk, you know, and and increases returns in the long run. Well, again, the diversification is what interest all investors should be interested in that, not putting all your eggs in one basket, because as I'm looking at some of these annualized returns, if you lump them all together, it looks like the weighted average return, which again, folks, there's no guarantee that it's a future, has been 6.79%. And there are certain sectors that are higher. Everything in, in life and, and, and economics certainly has a cyclical. What was hot last year may not be hot this year. And what, what was dragging a couple of years ago could be all of a sudden hot. So it, it seems to make sense to me to to diversify in different sectors, and that's where that's where your expertise comes in. Uh, if a client is looking for a custom portfolio, and 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 th the thing is, as you get into the higher end of investors, now you can get into some private offerings as well. Is that not also what Inland does? Or um, we, we try to accommodate uh, uh, all types of investors. Absolutely. And we do have uh, uh, corporate investors and institutional investors that mm -hmm. have very large holdings. And uh, we also have individual investors that have that are of uh, very high net worth uh, that that like to know that they're the only investor. In the program, <laughs> right. Right. Uh, they want their own investment. And uh, and yes, we, we you know, on occasion, if uh, everything matches up uh, correctly, uh, we will do that. Uh, we will uh, try to accommodate a custom deal, uh, <clears throat> and it all. And it again, there's a lot of factors that come into that, or that come into play for a custom deal, uh, and it's typically over twenty-five billion dollars. So it's not something that we do on a daily basis. I see. But. Well, folks, if you'd like to know more, again, the uh, <clears throat> the office line for our Tachi Financial Group is five six one five three seven. 5897. Uh, it's 561-537-5897. And what we're talking about are 1031 exchanges. So it's primarily for those who currently own investment property, real estate. It could be a rental home. It could be a commercial building that you have. And you either want to get out of the management business. You'd love to get the profits, but, but defer the taxes. You'd love to get out of the responsibilities of managing and taking care of properties. And most of the uh, partnerships that I've formed with tax professionals, they get it, they understand it. But I have to tell you, if you're a realtor out there, there you know, I know that you, you would like to get both sales, but I think you're leaving money on the table because many of your clients won't give you the listing of the first sale unless you've satisfied their need to defer the taxes with the second sale. And as we stated earlier, it's often difficult to get that second property. So uh, we literally could fix that for you in a matter of days and think about that. So we don't have to deal with the inspections and 
And the normal headaches you would go with an individual piece of property as opposed to an institutionally managed property. And, and um, you know, there's liquidity in this, is, is, is there not? I mean, it's not like uh, you have to tie up your money until you drop, <laughs> as the saying goes. Well, right? the, the liquidity is, uh, is on the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, is in the discretion of the asset manager. Okay. Uh, these are not liquid products uh, on, no, a I don't, on a daily basis. Yeah, I don't mean that you right. change your mind a year from now and you want no, all of your money. You're that's not a, you're not, that's not what you're I mean. Passive investor. Yes. Uh, there, the liquidity is um, uh, when again when we find an opportunity, uh, and there's a window of opportunity that opens to to sell the property at a good profit. We are certainly going to do that, and 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 our track record uh, uh, illustrates that we have done that uh, with great frequency. We've had 238 programs and 125 of them have gone full cycle already. And 70% of- And when you say full cycle, they've sold the property. Right. So let's talk about that because mm -hmm. I think that's important for people to understand and I want to understand as well. When you invest in a DST and a 1031 and you've invested in this property, um, if you wanted to cash out, you would wait, you would have to wait until they sold the property or could you just say, give me my share of proceeds? How does that work? When when a DST is sold, yes. right, when the property or proper or the portfolio properties is sold to a to another party, <coughs> excuse me, to another party, uh, then then you are given the choice to do either another 1031 exchange. Uh, on your own or with us or, or okay. take your money. It, it's totally up to you. It's your money. But that's the only time that an investor could say, you know, I've changed my mind. I've lost my mind and I'd love to pay all these taxes now. <laughs> so yes. cash it out for me. Correct. So that's the only time that they could get out. There's no partial liquidity. There's no, no hey, give me 10% or whatever the deal is. No. Um, and then you have a choice to either go to the next mm -hmm. investment or mm -hmm. to... Cash out. out and pay the taxes. Well, seventy. You know, it, it's very telling when seventy percent of your investors reinvest into another ten thirty one exchange. Uh, it's pretty clear that uh, well, yes, that <laughs> folks are utilizing this uh, for tax deferral purposes. I, I th that's the thing. You know, um, I've met some people that told me they had the advice from some, for lack of other words, professionals that said just pay the taxes uh, and get it over with. But I think most people would like to pay as little amount of taxes. But but the other question is this. If if they're in a DST and a 1031 and they're in a property that, that can pay them income, that income itself is taxed as ordinary uh, income, correct? It's not capital it's, gains. No, it's, it's taxed as ordinary income. But uh, again, like we talked about before, you have a brand new purchase of a large institutional portfolio or property that has depreciation and amortization expenses, right? Uh, that we call expenses or deductions against the income. So on on many occasions, on an average, about 70 or 80% of the income, it's tax deferred as well, right? I see. So you're putting the cash, remember, it's not what you make, it's what you put in your pocket. So if, 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 if we have 100% tax deferral on the income, of a um, of, of a logistics, uh, you know, industrial so what, property. What would determine then, that? Then that you have 100% of the it is, income? It, it, it is determined by the leverage or no leverage. 
the newness of the building, how the purchase was done. There's many factors okay. that determine that. But on average, on average, 80% of the of the income from most from virtually all of our programs so maybe, are tax deferred income. Maybe that's where the clients can have some liquidity. In other words, if they were to invest in this and say, I would like income from this. Oh no, they they there is no choice. You are getting income. Every single one of our programs offers income. Okay. And it's because, again, I, I, I said this before, you own the property as an investor. The investor owns the property. We are collecting the rent on behalf of the investor, and we're distributing the 100% of the rent to the investors after expenses. So, so the 100% of the net operating income, net operating income after expenses goes to the clients but right, the, go to the investors. But the difference is if they're not collecting that income, it's just reinvested. And we do not, we can in a DST, you cannot reinvest income. Okay. And you cannot, and there's a lot, there, there's also very, uh, it's a good point you brought up, Denny, because the, you know, the subtleties are, uh, you know, the details are in the technical area, Absolutely. Right? People want to know. Yeah. The devil's if, in the details. <laughs> and, that's and, right. And in a DST, these are not speculative investments, all right? Okay. Because it, you, I can't buy uh, a, an apartment complex and say, oh, I'm going to now build a parking garage, <laughs> right? So I am going to withhold your income because I decided that a parking garage would be very beneficial for this apartment complex. I'm not allowed to do that. You cannot substantially improve the property, it's called. Substantially. That, means, that doesn't mean that you... You don't paint the property and keep it maintained and okay. keep it in ship shape or have to put a new roof on it, whatever you have to do to keep the, to maintain the property. You can't. So basically, these are all DSTs are non-speculative real estate. These are stabilized properties, stabilized rental properties, meaning they're fully occupied already. They already are an ongoing business. Well, the, re the reason I ask is there may be some investors out there listening to say, hey, uh, Denny and Rick, are you telling me that I could uh, get mailbox money each month sent to me with this investment? Hmm. I mean, because that would interest them. I mean, look, they, they don't have to manage anything. It's growing, but oh, by the way, you're gonna send me a check each month. I think that some of them may have that as a question. Can well, it be structured that way? It is a fact. It, it is a the, fact. The, the, you, you don't have a choice. You will get the income. It's not reinvested <laughs> in the firm. The income has to be passed through to the investor. It does. Okay. Now, there are there are structures where, you know, if you're highly leveraged, uh, like we have properties that are highly leveraged. Right. Uh, and they're not speculative. They're just highly leveraged for a technical well, reason. Well, look, I think we're talking taxation here. So I think most listeners are saying, well, Rick, Denny, am I going to pay... Taxes on that income you're sending me. That's what, and it depends on how it's structured. You said right. It so in, investors typically, could, you're not going to pay about seventy to a hundred percent of that income is going to be not taxable on the year that you receive it. Okay. Okay. It'll be taxable at the end when you sell your property. Ah, oh, I see. Okay. Because okay. it goes again. Any deduction against your income tax, your yearly income tax, right? The, the ordinary income that you're receiving, you have to pay income tax on that. If it's tax-deferred income, yes. you don't pay income tax on that, but when you sell the property, then you have to pay income tax in, in the form of long-term capital gains, right? So not, not only is it a tax saver, because ordinary income is more than 
long-term capital gains, but you also have the ability to do another 1031 exchange and defer that income tax even further, right? So uh, because the deferral of your income, the taxes that you don't pay on an annual basis will be deducted from your cost basis or what you paid for that property. So that makes your profit even larger than what it would be when you sold the property, right? But that's at a capital gains rate. That's why it's is, very is there, beneficial to swap till you drop. Yes, absolutely. And, and and that's what I wanted to, so that clients can understand that. Would you say, I know you, it's, you're not an analyst or, but some of the, you know, a lot of these will pay a three or 4% uh, dividend, so to speak, or to, to the investors that invest in this, right? Is that, is that a, a is that a fair assumption or might be, is that overly aggressive? Well, the in, in different economic periods, there's yeah. different economic, uh, uh, you know, incentives or, or, or rewards for owning real estate. Uh, back uh, just five years ago, mm -hmm. uh, most programs, DST programs that were being offered were offering between five and 7% income. Now, when we say, when I say being offered, again, 100% of the net operating income of a property has to be passed through to the investor. So that's just was the model, right? We right. had we had very low in interest uh, interest rates. We had no very low inflation. So Absolutely. our assets were going up in value and 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 the expenses were running below projections. <laughs> so you're able to pay the 5 to 7% income. That's why I think it's probably more like 3 to 4 these days. It is days. now in today's world. Yeah. With the ink with with inflation creeping up and with interest rates creeping up, etc., it has now become a world and real estate being more expensive versus the rents that you're collecting, right? The rents have to sure. catch up that you're getting about a 3 to 4% uh <clears throat> in our programs, right? Because sure. there could be other programs that are much more speculative, and you and and again, risk uh, uh, and reward, right? So the, I know of programs that pay six percent, but uh, you know they but may, they, they they're may riskier a, investors. They most likely <laughs> yeah. are much riskier investments. Well, look, it's um, I think ten thirty ones are great tools to have. I I don't know why more people don't do not take advantage of them. They certainly should. If you have a good tax professional or a planner like myself or a company that we focus on that, because folks, let's face it, I, in my opinion, taxes are not going lower. They're going higher as we look forward. Inflation is a relative factor. We, we still have, I mean, I love that we've done so well last year economically, but going forward, it's these non-correlated type of investments and the fact that you can defer the taxes that more people should find out about these. And, and it's so interesting. This has been around for a long time, but yet it's not um, – <laughs> it's not a talk at, you know, when people are getting coffee or by the water cooler. And more people should know that these are available to them. You have to be a licensed uh, financial person like myself to offer it to clients. So it's, you know, you can't just buy these direct like you can with certain things like insurance products. Um, the person has to be licensed. I have five licenses. You And folks, Whoever you go with, because Inland is 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 the largest in this space. There are certainly other good companies because not everyone has inventory 
at once, and you just never know when a client or yourself needs to fill this void within a week or two or a few days. But make sure it's a reputable company. Make sure it's someone that has uh, a reputation uh, of doing well by the clients that has professionals out there buying these properties. But 1031 exchanges, that's uh, they're not going away. I mean, there are certain other things you're looking about changing. Perhaps the opportunity zones. Perhaps they're going to change the standard deduction. They're talking about lowering estate, the threshold for estate taxes. They're talking about doing a lot of things. Now, I'm not a Rick and I are not a conspiracy theorist. We we deal with what we know and what's happening right. today. And when they change the laws and things, we will adapt. But for now, it certainly looks like 1031s are not going away. It's been around a long time. It's a great tool to have. Many people have real estate holdings that are not their primary residence. Right. I mean, and and you know, just appreciation in real estate alone uh, has done very well for people. I mean, think about, I know it's hot now, but even if you just uh, invested 10 years ago, you've done well, five years ago. I know we had the big thing in 2008 because of, of the bad loans that were yeah. out there, but this is, I, I, I don't think we're never, I don't think we'll ever see that again because they stopped the uh, criminal behavior that was going on and ruined it. But these 1031s and these DSTs that people can take advantage of, of having an institutionally managed portfolio, you know, properties that they pretty much have guaranteed their rent payments for the next 10, 15 years. We're talking household names. There are many names and, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of uh, things that you can talk about inland. But today I wanted to have Rick talk about 1031 exchanges what they are, how they're utilized. And the fact that, yes, it's not just for rich people. The minimum buy-in is 100000 which most people who invest in the stock market and do other things uh, is something that they can handle. But first and foremost, it is solving a taxation issue for properties that you currently own. Right, and just to just to clarify one point, you know, guarantee is a strong word. It is a strong uh, word, and I uh, try and stay and, away from right. it. Right, and uh, that 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 is referring to what's called triple net leases, where we do offer programs that have triple net leases. That the leases are guaranteed by uh, you know triple A or double A uh, you know investment grade companies, and that's what uh, when we call it uh, mailbox money. Uh, DSTs provide mailbox money, but also we can provide uh, sleep at night money. So uh, it's money that you can sleep at night, know that you're secure. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, say. Well, I, I use the word guarantee loosely, and I, I should uh, slap myself because as soon as someone hears that, he said guarantee. <laughs> but look, what are the odds that, um, you know, an Amazon building that have signed these leases for 10 to 15 years of rent, what are the odds that they, they belly up or fold? I know anything is possible. It's not an insurance product. It is not FDIC. So thank you for pointing out the, uh, yes, I used the G word. Just, <laughs> it's tender well, marriage just for like, me. You know, we like to, to make sure that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that everyone understands, uh, you, know, you know, that the use of the, of the, of the guaranteed word is, is, done, is done correctly. Um, and, uh, you know, these are very, uh, as far as the, the spectrum of investments yes. go out there, these are uh, uh, 
pretty conservative investments, and uh, they, and they and we do you know we do cater to a uh, an older uh, demographic that is looking for uh, safety of principle, you know, a, a, a predictable uh, income, a predictable income, and hopefully some capital gains or some gains on their portfolio, some appreciation on their properties uh, in the future. And that's and that's that is our three principles that we. Uh, that we adhere to. It's safety of your original investment equity, a predictable and 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 steady stream of income, and hopefully some 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 appreciation uh, when the, a window of opportunity is open to sell. Look, there's risk in everything. If uh, you can get a one to two percent yield with no risk you're risking not keeping up with inflation so it's true there's risk mm -hmm. every investment out there has different forms of risk obviously the biggest thing that people are afraid of is they invest their money in something and it just goes belly up and they lose everything and that is something that people they can recall certain investments that happened i, I you know whether it was the 80s i mean there there were insurance products that blew up on people in the 80s because inflation was out of control and and they factored in unrealistic returns when they did uh the hypotheticals and people had to buy into to keep their insurance policies or or they went belly up and they lost it so same thing with uh look i don't think i know that legitimate equities don't go to zero it's usually the penny stocks and things like that but my whole point is yes there's risk in everything but first and foremost this is solving a taxation issue which right. again i really feel that people should address this uh, they should uh, know that uh, taxes are probably going to go higher if i was a betting man i would probably say the taxes go higher from here from the fact that we've been printing so much money inflation is a reality they have yet to increase short-term interest rates, and everyone's watching what Chairman Powell does. This is just another tool of the many things that you can do to defer your taxation and take advantage of gains in your investments. So, Rick, I really appreciate it. I love being a partner with you in Inland. Uh, any you. parting shots uh, before uh, we end the podcast here? No, a, a happy new year to everyone. Uh, hope you uh, take your investment seriously. Uh, this is going to be uh, an interesting year. Uh, obviously, with the, all the unknowns that we have, uh, we feel very, very good uh, in the commercial real estate space. We we believe we're in a super cycle uh, for real estate assets, and uh, we feel that uh, we have we have very positive view viewpoint of uh, commercial real estate valuations and net income growth uh, for all our products and all of real estate in general. So uh, as, you, as you'd be considered a bull, not a bear, yes. on this market, specifically commercial real estate going forward. I, I would consider myself personally a bull uh, <laughs> okay. in, in the commercial real estate market, correct. Well, there you have it, folks. Rick Martins with Inland Capital. Uh, this is Denny Artachi. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to post this on the YouTube channel, but... Uh, you can, of course, uh, listen to the podcast. Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, I have it on Pandora, iHeart, and Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, if you have any questions, uh, the uh, corporate number is 
5897. That's 561-537-5897. Hey, happy new year. Make 2022 whatever you'd like it to do. And please stay tuned. All right. Thanks.